0: Welcome to Best and Fest. I'm Leslie Lepage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival, and this is a podcast for people who are interested in advancing their career in television and film and learning the dirty little secrets of Hollywood, because gosh, there are so many dirty little secrets of Hollywood here. Uh, today, my guest is the iconic LGBTQ director, writer, producer, novelist, Nicole Kahn, um, who is an amazing storyteller and she's done uh, eight films. She's a novelist. One of her recent films is called More Beautiful for Having Been Broken. But she's iconically known for uh, films entitled Elena Undone, which uh, won four best feature awards. It's going into its 10th anniversary. She also has been a uh, five best feature award winner for a film called A Perfect Ending she really launched her career with a documentary called Little Man which is a personal retrospective on uh her child who was born premature and she's really involved in that community but with these this this whole gamut of films that she has created and this legacy and being this iconic LGBTQ plus uh, director that uh, is known for her love scenes and uh, and posting and one of the longest like screen kisses. She is uh, really a a marketeer. In fact, this is your second. Uh, like career choice, right? I mean, you didn't you didn't like start off as a young, you know, uh, a high school student trying to make films. I mean, you did something else and then kind of came into this.
1: I always wanted to be a writer from the time I was in third grade, I wrote stories. In fact, my father thought I was a talent, he became my agent. <laughs> um, and um, I wrote for years and I used to get up before I'd go to work at 4.30 in the morning and write, you know, my novels. And um, I never thought that the way I would actually create my career was through film, but I went to a film festival, um, and that is where I was dumbstruck by how much I was moved. You know, because in a festival, I it was my first, so I literally saw every film I could jam in. My eyes were like boinging out of its head <laughs> by the end of the day. But I saw so many films because it was the first LGBTQ festival there that I had ever been to. And the feelings it evoked in me, especially Desert Hearts, um, which was the only film of its kind at the time, made me say to myself on the drive home, that's what I want to do. I want to make people feel like that film just made me feel. And that's where my film started. So I was going to try a 10 minute short. Because I went to every seminar and webinar and everything that you could possibly do in Portland, Oregon. And I decided to write a little 10-minute short, and it turned into the feature Claire of the Moon. And that's where I started, (laughs) crazily enough. Not having gone to film school, and um, I'm just very autodidactic.
0: Right, right. Well, you had a a writing structure, so you understood plot and you understood beginning middle and an end and you understood you know the the character story and the drama and and the character analysis so it wasn't like you were coming in completely dry but when you created your first you know Claire of the Moon which you know retrospectively we look at that and that's that's one of the most iconic LGBT, or the L's, the L's of the LGBTQ+. It, it is
1: definitely a cult classic, and I, I'm very proud of its, you know, standing in the in the world of lesbian cinema.
0: Yeah, because it really made a statement that I think really had not been done at that point in time.
1: I think part of it was, you know, we had um, Personal Best, which had a terrible ending, <laughs> and then we had um, Liana, which was okay, but not really okay. Um, and Desert Hearts was a period piece so you didn't really nothing was really met head-on and in um, Claire of the Moon the thing that I wanted to do was have the discussion you know what makes you a lesbian Um, you know why don't you like penises (laughs) you know that sort of thing so it was really in your face and I remember when we were at uh, Toronto which is a straight film festival we uh, premiered there actually I remember the dialogue afterward lasted an hour and a half of all these straight people being so, like, intensed out by learning all of this new stuff about lesbians. And so it was very, very um, groundbreaking from that standpoint, I think. Plus, it was the only thing out there. And when we were talking about being pioneers earlier, um, you know, my editor for the novelization I did of Claire of the Moon said, you're going to be the pioneer who get, opens up the door, and then all these young uns are going to run through, and you're going to get <laughs> slammed in the face. <laughs>
0: You know, I, I know that because, uh, you know, doing the film festival for 17 years, yep. I was the pioneer of supporting women producers, writers, and directors in a film festival forum. And I've gotten bloody up against those walls, you know, those doors and those walls smacking me in the face. But we, I was doing it before it was cool. See, now it's cool. Oh, I know. Like, never, like, Hello. I like, oh, you, know, like le- you know, lesbian, uh, women. And I'm not saying that the film festival is lesbian. It's not. It's open to women of all colors and all sexualities. But, you know, we were doing it before it was acceptable. And we were told, oh, no one would come and see it. No one would attend a film festival uh, uh, of content made by women. So I get that you were an icon. This is why you're an iconic, you know, LGBTQ plus director, because you broke ground where the, where the youngsters now, where the L's now are, are, are standing on your shoulders. Um, and making films that they could never have made um, without you breaking it that door down. So,
1: well, I I'm glad you know, for that, though. I'm glad for that. I, I'm glad that there's a young, you know, group of filmmakers who are doing fun and wonderful things. Um, but can I just brag about your festival a second?
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Go ahead.
1: Well, because I wanted to say one of the experiences that I think is really important for people to know is. When you put that festival together, what you did is you provide women filmmakers, and it's a straight festival in my mind. It's the, it it's is a the, straight festival, yeah. You know, Beverly Hillsy kind of straight. If you're a filmmaker, come here and show your stuff. Um, but it's the best-run festival, and also your awards program, the ceremony, all of that stuff, you make the filmmakers feel so damn taken care of in that way. And I think it's really uh, important to make that distinction you're not only the first but you're the best (laughs) and so it's like well we've tried
0: to be the best and after doing it for 17 years we've still tried to do the do it one of the reasons i launched this podcast was because there's so many misconceptions of how you work you know the system of the film festivals how you work the circuit now you're not a first-time filmmaker. You've been doing this for eight films, and and each of these eight films, you've broken ground in different ways. Um, and each one of these films, you've had to hustle in the film festival circuit so you can get a distribution gig, you know, a distribution contract, and all of them have been distributed and successfully made money. So is it any easier working the festival circuit now than it was then, or or, ha- or what's your attack when you are working the festival circuit?
1: I have to say, Claire of the Moon started my festival circuit and I had the most amazing festival circuit that any filmmaker could have because right. I was at Toronto, I was at the Bos- all straight film festivals, you know, Boston, um, all, everywhere, Seattle, you name it, I was there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, And so I had a very easy road in, got tons of publicity, had a great publicist on it. We got distribution with Fox Lorber and they did a deal. This was another pioneering thing. They did a deal that they'd never done before. They allowed Nyad Press, which was a lesbian book publisher who hired me to do the novelization to sell the video to her huge mailing list. Mm. So we were able to strike that deal where we bifurcated a deal, not unlike the deal you brokered for us with More Beautiful, which we can talk about later. But um, when I did Little Man, same thing. Huge festival, glory experience, won 12 best doc awards um, and uh, major press, major everything. Elena Undone, the same thing. Huge in all of the LGBT festivals and a perfect ending, the same thing. But when I did More Beautiful, it has the LGBTQ festivals have been taken over by the Studio Fair, and so filmmakers, even people who sell out the Castro like myself, cannot get good um, placings or anything else because we just don't compare to Kate Winslet or you know people who are playing playing lesbians who are A-list actresses. So our cinema is now going uh by the wayside and we're trying to at nicole con films global do something about that because the festivals are not our friend at this point anymore it's really hard it's really sad
0: yeah. So, so let's talk about that. Cause we still, there's still a layering of the film festivals. You still have the big, you know, the big 10, the top 10. Yeah. And then you've the got Sun your- The Sundance's you,
1: and the Toronto's and the, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those are the, the big boys. And, you know, frankly, they get so many submissions. Uh, they could live just off the money from the submissions. Um, uh, but then you have, you know, the, the lower uh, B level and then C's and, and, and then D's, et cetera. So are you saying that even in the B levels and that C level um, festival circuit, you're still having a hard time, you know, getting your content screen because they're being gobbled up by the big boys?
1: Yeah, a lot of the main, you know, the headliners, we used to be the headliner, Elena and Dunn and A Perfect Ending, were the headlining films of the of the festival for the women. But now, and I know other filmmakers who are in the same place as I am, where their films are not even accepted. I wasn't expe- accepted at Outfest this year, which was crushing because I have sold out every Outfest, not just one screening, but two or three of each of my films. Um, but because they have new you know, management and they have young people who are just looking at young uh, things, they're not taking care of their legacy filmmakers. And um, a lot of the legacy filmmakers and I've had this discussion. It's really, really challenging.
0: Right, so what you're really saying is that the independent filmmakers who are still creating wonderful content are going up against the 20, 30 million million dollar indie studio films with A-list actors who are portraying stuff that the indies would normally, you know, be creating in their content
1: yes exactly i think it's partly um you know i say this all the time we wanted assimilation and integration and we got it we're tokened every single place you turn your head we're we're on every sitcom we're on every web series we're on in, in every movie some in some way um and now this features are uh, studios are realizing uh, woman-to-woman stories are very attractive to a fuller population than just lesbians and they're taking advantage of it And leaving, like I said, all of these legacy filmmakers in the dust. Um, I was just reading a very snarky review of all of the major, like Loving Annabelle, the two I Can't See Straight and um, World Unseen, all of those films that we all, that was our lesbian library, cutting everything apart, including Elena Undone, uh, by the way, cutting every one of those films as the worst made films ever. Thank God we have studio fair now not realizing the only way they got that was all this horrible cinema we made.
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this this horrible cinema that um, was so popular that you have a social media following of millions and millions of people because it was so horrible, you know, the films.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and it's only like uh, <laughs> the boomer generations, Elena Undone, A Perfect Ending, Claire of the Moon, or more beautiful is their favorite lesbian film and so it's uh films that have staying power um like what we were talking about Mm -hmm. Claire of the Moon had its 20th anniversary no the 10th anniversary release when we did the director's commentary when Nicholas was born (laughs) um I actually literally ran from the studio doing that back to the Uh NICU uh you know and um it it was just an insane totally insane time One of the things that, um, one of my filmmaker friends, Jane Clark, who produced uh, Elaine Undone, she always said, one of the reasons you're so successful is you marketed from the very beginning. And that's one of the things we did do. Uh, Claire of the Moon is the first film, gay or lesbian, um, that had ancillary. I did the making of um, Moments, which was a a 90-minute documentary that's like the best-selling documentary that lesbian communities ever had. Um, that was my second feature out and nobody had ancillary we did a soundtrack we did t-shirts we did slicks we did I mean it was a cottage industry for almost eight years um, so it was a, a very a unique way to build out an audience through marketing and merchandising in fact we only had 12 prints of the film and in many places in the popcorn stands were moments the making of the soundtrack everything they sold that they saw those things before they saw the feature. So it was a very interesting thing. And we ran for 18 months theatrically with those 12 prints.
0: Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Let's talk a little bit about, about the marketing. Okay, so was it instinctual that you started marketing to your community the first film? Or how did that happen? Because now you're marketing in a whole different way and 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 where has that really grown for you and and are you feeling that marketing now must go hand in hand with the independent when you're working the circuit circuit festival
1: i feel like if you're going to be a filmmaker today you have to be a filmmaker and a social media marketer and a graphic designer and pretty much everything if you want your films to ever be seen because everything is driven by the internet now you know um social media had just Barely started when we did Elena Undone in 2010, and I realized immediately. I don't know why. Maybe it was just a you know a god moment. But I realized the way we sell this film is with that longest kiss on social media, and that's what we did. And I social media morning, noon, and night pushing out those links for the longest kiss stuff, and it really, really paid off. I mean, our Elena Undone page has um, 56,000 on Facebook, 56,000 members who remain active because they're huge fans of the film. And then Elena Undone got picked up for its 10th anniversary from, you know, from Hulu. So that marketing is what made the huge difference. And I did a a panel with, and Goldwyn, who had done Go Fish, which was the other big, Uh huge, popular film because Goldwyn put it out. (laughs) Um, But he said in the panel that I was on, he said, you killed us with Claire of the Moon. Your numbers were so amazing and we couldn't do it because you broke all the rules of marketing. We had to follow the machinery. We had to follow the studio machinery and your numbers just slaughtered us. And I was very, you know, I was very grateful that he said that because that was the truth. Uh, We did it by word of mouth, coffee houses, bars, every place lesbians gathered, we marketed at. And um, and I, I I toured with the film and the book for two years. So it was like a constant.
0: How are you doing marketing now? Because marketing has altered a bit. And in distribution deals, distributors want to see films that have a huge following. And without that huge following, they won't pick up the independents right
1: now. No, they won't. Yeah. Because they know that yeah. they, the distributors or a lot of them are glorified aggregators, as we call them in the business. Right. They're not gonna pick up things unless you have some sort of fan base because they're just, there's nothing that they can use to sell it. And they're going to rely on the filmmaker to sell it as well. Um, so you have to have some sort of fan base. Uh, my, I had a total aha moment um, with More Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was because COVID um, made me see the aha moment because we were stuck after our literally our last festival was in Sydney, Australia in February February of 2020, and COVID happened in March of 2020. So from that point forward, um, I started getting massive amounts of social media input from people who had seen the film in Brazil, in Portugal, through, like, some of them were through pirated uh, copies and stuff along those lines, but I realized how huge the global audience for my films had become mm. that I hadn't had no idea. I didn't realize I had a huge fo- following in Portugal. I didn't realize I had a huge following in Brazil. I didn't realize those things, but I realized it because I was sort of dormant from social media because my last film was in 2012. Um, you know, I was realizing, Oh my God, this has really manifested mm-hmm. from where we started. It's grown on its own because I haven't been doing anything for <laughs> the last four or five years right. Um, right. and realized the incredible gold mine it was, and how it absolutely incredible social media is. And not just it's important to do, but it's important to communicate directly with your fans, you know, human to human. Um, don't just get those bots and stuff to do auto replies and things along those lines because um, the way we grow is by people really feeling like they belong to a film family that's um, being well taken care of,
0: right. And so when COVID hit, you were right in the middle of distributing. You had just secured a distribution deal with Vision Films, which is a distributor here in Los Angeles, and they were planning on launching you in um, Mother's Day weekend, right, which is in May, and COVID happened in March. And so how did you, write? so how did you work that social media to really enhance those sales? Because... The distributor, although they have some social media, they, as you said, rely on the filmmaker to really push the film forward. So what were some of the elements that you put into play or worked with them to facilitate to help get those sales going?
1: Well, um, one of the things that I felt was extraordinary about Vision is they have a really strong team in terms of, you know, Kristen Mm Bedno, their director of marketing for all of the domestic. We all worked together and worked on strategies about the way we were going to do it. And essentially, once we created a plan, um, myself and a couple of other people that were helping me, we just assaulted social media <laughs> as much as we could. Mm-hmm. I did you know, Facebook ad um, strategies over and over and over, trying different countries, different, you know, you name it, we tried it, um, and a bunch of uh, Instagram uh, campaigns all kinds of things that would help move the movie um, in any place that it was opening. We released the DVD first which was wonderful because it gave a one month window for people who purchased DVD or couldn't wait for the VOD um, which really really gave us really strong sales and then we did the um, VOD as you said on Mother's Day Mm -hmm. and did a wonderful um, international premiere where we could bring everybody in with the CYA live.com platform um, and created sort of innovative ways to try to get, you know, the message out about the film. Uh-huh. In addition, one of the things that we decided to launch and begin, uh, because of my experience on the festival circuit okay. and seeing the writing on the wall, I realized, okay, now it's time to create a sort of little mini studio because we're going to have to support ourselves. And uh-huh. so we created a Nicole Kahn Films Global, and um, there's a member of... Four incredible badass women and myself, who are the core team, um, leslie lepage is is one of them, and very, very honored and happy to have her be a member of the team. And between us all, we have incredible skill sets, and we realized, you know, one of the things we always say in our community is we are stronger together, better together. And I'm a true believer of that. It's my mantra that we're all in this together. And at this point, like what we were talking before, we need to get our work out on as many platforms as possible, because um, you need to be ubiquitous in this business at this point to survive. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, what's interesting is you are an eight time filmmaker. You know, this is not your first go around the block. You're not 30. You're, let's say you're over the age of 30. Yes, um, I am. And, Quite a
1: ways from 30.
0: And you are still um, having to, you know, really work, um, work uh, as an independent to keep facilitating your products forward because you're still not getting that endorsement and that love by the major studios. Can we, right. can we say that? Yeah. Yes. So, You know what's your point of view on that if you had a chance to say something to you know the major studios right now and they were tapping in what would you say to these guys who have turned their face on you know uh uh, funding iconic directors like you that have a huge following
1: i think um if they took a few moments to realize what i can do with a few hundred thousand dollars and make it look like it's a few million dollars they would realize that they could make a lot of money using me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the other thing that that I sort of came to the realization is I spent 30 years scrapping to try to get into the studio or television Mm -hmm. system. And Mm -hmm. I know from all the people and all my pals who have been able to do that successfully, their work is not their own. And the Mm -hmm. one thing that I've had is complete autonomy in all creative decisions And I think that's one of the reasons my films don't feel diluted. They don't feel like they've been screen tested to death. So, you know, that all the parts that offended one group or offended another group have been taken out. They're just really a uh, story that is authentically from one voice. And I think that that's one of the things that they appreciate and that they um, expect from me now. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. I could never do that in the studio system.
0: Right. So is that why you then decided, hey, listen, I'm going to form my own studio. I'm going to form this entity so that I can start funding uh, on a more uh, larger scale or a mini major scale content for my community. Like where did that idea come from, that aha moment?
1: It came from a couple of things realizing, well, one of the things that we realized is sort of all the um kickstarter and indiegogo things are so impossibly challenging and hard to do that it takes more time and effort and energy to do one of those than to actually make a film so we realized that we had to create new ways of fundraising and everything else we realized also that we would have to go to a subscription model of some sort to keep you know the lights on and on a monthly basis And so we created Nicole Kahn Films Global as a subscription site where we try to take care of our film family. But we also um, created it to help and endorse other filmmakers who are lesbian and to try to give as much work as we can to women in the community. That's one of the things that we're trying to do. The men in our community have all the money and they have all the resources. Um, We have to help each other. We have to be in this together. Um, And so one of our first projects that we're uh, putting out, coming out for love, which is one of our um, wonderful lesbian dating series, we have created partnerships with every huge destination hub that's lesbian known Uh internationally so that Uh we can all be in this together. And everybody's jumped on because they all Uh realize with the way that we've assimilated, our community is dissolving into the, the, the ether of everybody. So it's harder and harder to reach us, so we have to do it together. There's no other way we can do it. Right, That's my right. view anyway.
0: Let's talk about different ways you've fundraised, uh, you know, if, if for some of the films and how successfully you've done that um, throughout your eight film career.
1: Well, Claire of the Moon was probably the very easiest fund funding I did because, uh, first of all, I went to I worked for a couple of construction guys who were my original investors because they loved my work. That I, I was a, a, a like their,
0: straight dude construction, like dude guys. Oh, they were like there were two guys? two
1: construction businesses that had this worked in the same thing, and I was their bookkeeper. That's I went oh, to. that's a, awesome. A, an accounting college. That was what my degree was in. So I knew how to do numbers okay. and budgeting and all, all of that stuff. But I went to them first and because they loved me, they gave me my first monies. And then I went to my family and then I went to all my friends. But when we first, after we shot the film, we did a little like a 20 minute like sample scene, sample montage of all the beautiful scenery, da, da, da. And then we did house parties. And we would mm. have people, we'd liquor up the women and by mm-hmm. the end of the night, women were writing checks for $10,000, 25000 One woman brought in $25,000 of cash from her car. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so I was oh able to raise, God. it was almost $400,000 at the film cost. It was 35 millimeter, you know, in the old days, how real film was made. And that's one of the things I love yes. about it, that I started right. on film. And I'm now, you know, doing Premiere Pro. It's just a m- madness in my mind, those 30 years of different technology that we've gone through. Basically, I think just try every single thing that you can to make anything that you're working with work. (laughs) Do you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying?
0: Now, you've done uh, crowdfunding, right? You've actually done the the more formal crowdfunding. Can you talk a little bit about how that went for you, which film that that tied in? Yeah, we
1: tried Kickstarter first, Mm -hmm. and we did Kickstarter with Elaine Undone, um, but we also had funds, personal funds that we used. Stupid, always use OPM, Mm -hmm. but we used our funds to make Elena Undone. Um, with A Perfect Ending, we immediately, uh, we raised $50,000, which was our original shooting budget for A Perfect Ending. Wow. All told, the film uh, we did h- for 185000 <laughs> which is insanity which is for that film. It looks so good. Right. With A Perfect Ending, because we only raised the 50000 on Indiegogo, and the reason we went to Indiegogo was because whatever you raise, you keep, mm-hmm. as opposed to, right. you know. Um, and then um, we did what we call cash for credits, people who wanted to you know, buy credits in the film because they wanted to be a producer or an executive producer, mm-hmm. or they would purchase points in the films, things along those lines. And that's basically how we raised funds for the f- films from there-, there on. So what we did with Nicole Khan Films Global is we made a hybrid version of all mm-hmm. of those things. There's simple donation, there's cash for credits, there's memberships where you get different perks for the different membership levels. One of the um, most popular is the platinum level, and even though it's $49.99 a month, Uh everybody gets to see every rough cut I do. Uh So everybody who's in that membership level learns about editing and all of those sorts of things. the gold membership is devoted to people who are excited about casting and will help go vote on the contestants who will be submitting for Coming Out for Love. Um, we'll help vote on uh, actresses they like for leads and our features and things along those lines. So it's it's more than just a membership where you might see films. Uh, we do have 150 films that are also free to our members um, that are all lesbian um, through our UK partner uh, LesFlix. and. Um, we're trying to, you know, basically create a number of different revenue streams to help fund our our projects. But we're also trying to employ as many lesbian writers, uh, film crew people as we can in the midst of all of that. Mm-hmm. And we're also spot- fostering other filmmakers that we're really excited about, um, like Kate Johnson from Canada. We love her work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people along those lines. So it's sort of a you know, film family, funding destination, sort of uh, a, a place where a lot of things are happening that are really fun.
0: And you met Kate um, at a fest- at a film festival, correct? Didn't you meet? Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Which, which film festival did you meet? Because this is, you know, really enhancing the next question, which is, okay, if you met her there and now you're having a working relationship with her, you know, how do you approach when you create a film which festivals, how you're gonna work the festival, so if you can answer those two.
1: Well, you know, um, because I've always pretty much had distribution, I've had had to work the festivals in the same way other filmmakers have had Mm -hmm. to, but I always try to work the festivals to meet other filmmakers who I might wanna align with or do a a co-production deal. Um, There was a guy in Australia, one of his um, his documentaries just like just touched my heart so much. And he and I chatted and I I gave him Little Man to watch. And he's the guy that we were talking about that was very excited and looking at Little Man sequels. Um, So there's other filmmakers who you're going to have synchronicity with. And I think that's a real important thing. And also just validation. And, you know, you all kvetch about, you know, the process, which is also fun, and party and all of those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But my experience with the festivals has been slightly different because I've been able to sort of book the, you know, the nights that have been heavily favored by females and always sold out. So I always more uh, work the, not work the, but engage with people who have come to see the film, you know the fans. Mm-hmm.
0: Where do you see yourself going in the next five years with Nicole Kahn Global? With, um, you know, where where are you projecting your filmmaking career? What do you what do you want to do? What haven't you done yet?
1: Okay, well, there's a number of things. Um, Coming out for love is a very exciting, fun um, show that isn't a, about the intense creative work that goes into a feature. It's much more about the fun entertainment value you're going to provide your community and the straight world as well because they're going to enjoy it just as much. But I foresee um, being involved in that show for a period of time and also um, my next couple of features, Do We Not Bleed, which you're very involved with, and Two Card Monty, which you're also very involved with um, as director, uh, writer-director on Do We Not Bleed. Those features I hope will have the same sort of um, sort of trajectory that more beautiful has sort of made for my other films as well and so I hope that they just sort of keep building on them and I hope from the um, the the history of what my films have been able to do they all make money they all uh, basically win awards and the fans are very very you know um, enamored with them. They're very, very consumed by them. And so if we can just keep putting out quality films like that, I'm hoping somebody will realize funding us makes sense, (laughs) you know, Um, and that we get more A-list talent because once you get more A-list talent, then your films are seen by a much larger audience. And um, hopefully I I can work with A-list talent. And still maintain creative control. That's my goal.
0: Well, but you've had you've had a, a, a wonderful selection of really well established actors in your films. Um, yeah, how, how do you secure how do you how are you securing those off of your?
1: I think um, I've been very very fortunate in some cases, very very lucky um, with Nakar and um, uh, Tracy. Jane had worked with both of them before. I was not. Remotely interested in casting Nakar because I wanted to base it on Marina, who my ex, which was what the film was about. So I wanted her to be Caucasian, Mm -hmm. but when we did not find any other lead, um, you know, and saw Nakar again, I was like, okay, this is this is it. You know, Mm -hmm. she's gone on to become a a total A TV A list actress who's working all the time, all the time on series CSI, New Orleans or New York or whatever is the last, Um, and then. I think some of the talent um, want to be involved in film. Like Jessica Clark saw Lena Undone* and came up to me at the festival and she said, "I would do anything to be in one of your movies." Mm. So you know, we remembered that. And um, basically, uh, she had the feel and the look of who Paris was. She wasn't experienced at the time, but um, she worked really. She and I worked really, really well together. So I've been lucky in in sort of those cases with more beautiful, getting Zoe Ventura from um, Australia Great. was a real coup, yeah. I feel like, for the film. And then people who read that script um, and saw that Kale was attached, like Bruce Davidson and, and French Stewart, they just all just came on. Mm-hmm. It was like, we're in. So I've been very lucky. Um, it's so hard to cast and get, uh, you know, name people in your films. But then also they look at my, my career history mm-hmm. and their willing to take a chance right. you know because they see that i'm doing quality material
0: right right well we've got a few more minutes left and i know you've mentioned um something that you're working on uh, uh coming out for love do you want to give us a little bit more information like what exactly it is you want to give us a little snippet a little kind of precursor?
1: well it's a very very fun what i call it fun frolicky romp of um Lesbian dating and the key is it's with a woman who's newly coming out. So she knows nothing about lesbian dating. She doesn't know how to go about doing it. And so we have some um, wonderful uh, lesbian guests hosts that we will be having. Um, We will uh, there will be a number of contestants that will be being voted on by our um, global membership and um, we also will be running, uh, so the submissions for- So this is, a, uh, this is a
0: TV show. It's a TV show that you're, yes, a TV competition show.
1: Yes, it's a TV uh, dating competition show. Um, but the hook is that it's with a newly coming out lesbian who has never been in the scene. And so there's a lot of fun things that we can, can do with that. Um, and we also plan to do uh, two shows a year with everybody in our community, which means the entire alphabet wow. um, of LGBTQ, uh i xyz right right, right. Uh, we will do every 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 component of our community will be part of this this show okay. so we've we're already talking to potential leads for those seasons Um, so just a lot of exciting things going on with that we're also going to be running a theme song competition also through nicole khan films global so all of those garage band people out there please look for that so you can submit your um incredibly uh, beautiful lyrics with great hooks and great memorable memory, have to have a memorable melody that you can hum the minute after you've heard it, or it's stuck in your head actually.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, listen, I look forward and I'm sure people that are listening in are gonna look forward to what Nicole Khan Global has to offer the world and the community and the LGBTQ plus blah, out there. So um, it's so exciting to have you on the show. I want to thank you so much for. Uh, thank you, Leslie. With us. I really
1: appreciate it.
0: Um, and so for all those uh, people that are kind of newly tapping into it, you've been listening to Best in Fest. I'm Leslie LaPage, the director of the La Femme International Film Festival. This is a podcast for people who are really interested in advancing their career in television and film, uh, revolving around exposing the dirty little secrets of Hollywood and the festival circuit and really how to um, you know, launch your career with, uh, these guests who have successfully done it. So, um, if you are interested in submitting to the uh, La Femme International Film Festival, we are doing our open call for entries, which starts in uh, March first, and it goes all the way until August. So you can tap on into Film Freeway, you can uh, go on to our website uh, lafemme.org, or you can uh, join us and see the visual of this podcast on our YouTube. Uh, you know, like us on Twitter, <laughs> like us on Instagram, give us a thumbs up, shout out to us we're interested in hearing uh what you have to say and if you have any ideas uh or guests that you'd like to promote for this show please do so and uh contact us on instagram we'd love to hear you nicole i want to give a big shout out to you big hugs and kisses thank you for being on the show uh Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, an amazing Nicole Kahn, an iconic um, writer, director, and producer of LGBT plus uh, content.
1: And thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, Leslie. I love you, hon. You're Uh, the best. (laughs) Okay, Bye.